Good morning. This is the Financial Nuggets podcast with me, Michael Palmer. Today, we're going to talk through why investors struggle to get the returns they should get. I know all of us think that we behave perfectly, yet all of the data says that we don't. I mean, none of us are bad drivers, only the other people on the road, right? We all know that we should buy low and sell high. So why don't we always do this? So let me cut to the end of the story, and then I'm going to go back and, and kind of fill in the middle. But just a reminder, if you're a client of mine, you won't only be invested in the S&P 500 because that'd be poor diversification. Um, but for today, I, I'm mostly just going to use the S&P 500 as an example, just because it's easy to talk through. Most people know many of the stocks in the S&P, right? Um, we're talking like Amazon, Apple, Meta, Home Depot, Coke, like all the big stocks. And, uh, and people hear about the S&P on the news all the time. So we're just going to use it today. It's just easy to talk through. There's a company called Dalbar, D-A-L-B-A-R, and Dalbar studies investor behaviors and how it relates to market returns. So even if you aren't a nerd like I am, I still think you'd find it pretty useful to read through. It has some pretty interesting uh, data and tidbits about humans, even when we put investments aside. So for the last 30 years, the S&P 500 has returned about 9.65% rate of return. However, the average equity investor has only returned about 6.8%. That's nearly a 3% difference, which is significant in investments. Now, why do you think that is? Like, why, why is the S&P returned 9.65, but the average investor only gets 6.8? Why is that? Well, let's assume that, that they have an advisor, right? Because if you're just investing directly in the S&P, you might be doing it by yourself. And uh, so if you have an advisor, maybe he charges you 1%. But that still leaves a 2% delta, which is, again, a very significant amount of money left on the table. And yeah, there are taxes and yeah, there's other fees associated with a portfolio, depending on the structure and how it's set up. But that shouldn't account for a 2% difference here. Investors struggle to behave appropriately when it comes to investing. Now, before you think I'm crazy or you think, no, this isn't me, just hear me out for a minute. When people follow their natural instincts, they might apply faulty reasoning to investments. You'll hear them say some random things like, you know, my research confirms that this is a great stock to own, or I work in the industry, so I know where it's going, or it was a bad idea, but I don't want to sell at a loss, or I wasn't wrong about that stock. I was just unlucky, or the market tanked and I should have seen it coming. Now, let's talk about the emotions associated with markets. It's like a roller coaster ride going up and down at different points. And when markets are going up, investors tend to feel optimistic. And this leads to enthusiasm and even euphoria. The investor typically has thoughts like, wow, I'm so smart. And this is about the peak of the bull market, right? Bull market means asset prices have risen or, ex or are expected to rise. Bear market is the opposite. Now, as the markets turn and they start going down, as it's going down, anxiety tends to start to set in. Maybe some denial about what's happening. But investors are typically thinking about how this is a temporary setback and how there are still a long-term investor, so everything's fine. But it keeps going down, and then there starts to be fear. You start asking the question of, will this ever stop? Do I stay in the market, or should I sell? There's desperation, panic, capitulation even, or, or just giving up. You start asking questions like, how could I have been so wrong? And then as the depression is kicking in, markets start to rise again. And there's hope, there's relief, we're back to optimism, and it starts coming back up. Now, these are some of the emotions of the roller coaster. But practically, what does the investor do? We all know that we should buy low and sell high, but what ends up actually happening? 
when markets are going up and we're feeling that thrill and optimism, that's typically when people are buyers, right? They want to buy stocks. They want to put money in markets. And at the peak of the curve, when markets start going down and everyone is feeling depressed, scared, and giving up, that's when people are selling. In other words, people are buying high and they're selling low. The complete opposite of what we know we should be doing. So when markets are down, that's the best time to buy, but everyone is scared. So they stand on the sideline and don't get in. And they don't get in until they feel good about markets. And now they're buying high again. So what does an investor typically do? They, they do things like online research or Google, maybe talk to friends, but typically we don't want anyone to know that we're struggling with these types of decisions. So we try to figure it out on our own. And what influences bad behavior? So just to name a couple of random things quickly. Um, a big one is herd behavior, herd like the uh, a cattle herd, right? We follow a herd. We hear from our friends or coworkers and we hear what they're doing and we just assume that we should do the same. We hear that there's this hot investment and we don't want to miss out, right? FOMO is a real thing. The fear of missing out is a major driver when we start talking about the herd and moving with the herd. We want to be in whatever everyone else is doing because we don't want to be the person that misses out. Um, another thing that influences bad behavior, we can react to emotions and media influence, right? So the media's job is to get us coming back to their channel or their blog or their website or their Twitter account or excuse me, X account. It's how they make money and fear sells. I'm not allowed to give any specific names on this podcast, but there are a lot of financial entertainers out there that use fear all the time to try to get people to move on action. Another example of something that can influence bad behavior is just fear, impatience, and predictions, right? We're influenced by our own decision-making. We're trying to avoid pain in the future. We've we talked about this on, on previous podcasts, but that's natural and hardwired in us. But we all know we can't predict the future. So how do you prevent all of this? And how do you become a successful investor? Well, the first thing to do is to function like a robot, right? We remove all emotion. And I'm being serious, but I'm also kind of kidding because we all know that we, that can't happen. As much as we want to remove emotion, like, look, this is your money. And we're all emotional about our money. If you're a client of mine, you've heard me say this a million times. Like, I, I'm not emotional about your money. I see it for black and white, but I am emotional about my own money, right? We're all emotional. Another way to help you be a successful investor is get an advisor, right? And get an advisor specifically who doesn't use scare tactics to try to move you to action. Someone that understands standard deviation and normal market movements. And, and that's really who you want managing your money. Also do things like setting up automatic transfers every single month into your investment or retirement accounts. You know, most of you guys are doing this automatically with 401ks or simple IRAs, things like that. But we want to be doing more than that because that's not enough savings, right? We've talked about that on previous podcasts about the amount of money that we should be saving. So we need to set up these automatic transfers to go to different places. But that way you're not thinking about the markets. You're not thinking about how you feel about them. It's just automatically happening. Also, be a long-term investor, right? No one can predict 12-month market cycles. I wish they could. I really do. But no one can predict this consistently over 30 years that you're investing. Don't invest money unless you're confident you don't need it for a while. And I've talked about this at nauseum, but have a purpose for your money, right? Understand what you're trying to accomplish, because if you understand that, it's going to help you avoid making poor decisions. Go listen to the podcast uh, that I just did on, on the questions that you should be asking about investing. That'll help put things into context for you to understand it even more. If you haven't listened to that, just, just did a couple podcasts on some of those things too. So wrapping this up today, right? If markets are getting 9.65%, like we talked about at the beginning, and the average investor is getting 6.8%, that's not good enough for the investor. 
And many times the investor doesn't even realize that they are missing out. Like they don't even know that there's a 3% delta there that they have that they have missed because of different behaviors that they or their advisor has coached them into doing. If you don't want to be an emotional investor, don't be afraid to ask the questions, but find a professional that can help you think through this. Now, what does a true professional really bring to the relationship? In my opinion, a true professional's job is not to just come in and run a report of your portfolio and look at your asset allocation and maybe change the allocation of your stocks or bonds. In fact, that's what a robot can do. And robots do that online or on your phone even. The real role of the professional is to come alongside the investor, recognize those emotions that the investor has and recognize that it's a real thing, not discount those emotions but kind of put your arm around the investor and walk you through this. Let me remind you why we're doing this. Let me remind you to stay the course as things get scary, right? There's wars breaking out, there's pandemics, there's elections, there's all sorts of reasons to be scared. But even as stock prices are going up, sometimes investors are just waiting for them to fall and they get nervous. The role of the professional is to keep the client engaged and on board with the fact that client behavior will impact the return more than anything else. Let me say that again. The investor behavior, your behavior, will impact the return more than anything else. All right, that's all for today. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any future podcasts. And I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, pass OSJ 5280, Carroll Canyon Road, Suite 300, San Diego, California, 92121, 619-684-6400, securities products and advisory services offered through past member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York, passes a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian, Westpac Wealth Partners, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Pass or Guardian. Insurance products offered through Westpac Wealth Partners and Insurance Services, LLC, a DBA of Westpac Wealth Partners, LLC, California insurance license number 0L49687. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable. Please note that the individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by past Guardian or Westpac Wealth and opinions stated are their own. Guardian at subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. 2023-162-795, expiration 1025. Georgia Independent Operator Association, GIOA, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of past or Guardian. Diversification does not guarantee... Profit or protecting its market loss. Past performance is not guarantee of future results. Investing in the bond market is subject to certain risks, including market interest rate, issuer credit, and inflation risk. Equities may decline in value due to both real and perceived general market economic and industry conditions. Investing in securities of smaller companies tends to be more volatile and less liquid than securities of larger companies. Investing in forward securities may involve heightened risk including currency fluctuations, less liquid trading markets, greater price volatility, political and economic instability, less publicly available information, and changes in tax or currency laws. Such risks are enhanced in emerging markets.